This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, TCS falls over again, signed CME results and ASX in shambles, while EU Finmins blame the exchanges for their woes. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 233. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the world of market structure. This past week, all the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Over in Bit Carnage, According to a series of headlines, and admittedly after some rather impressive results, Coinbase is an unstoppable crypto giant. Suddenly the talk is of Coinbase being the unassailable leader of the pack. That sounds good until you remember. So too were the now deceased Mt. Gox and FTX, while last year it was just impossible, according to conventional wisdom, to see criticism of Binance as anything but for FUD. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find it as a standalone on Substack. From BitCarnage to the world of conventional exchanges. And we lead with a story where the blithering nonsense of the European Union's acolytes often knows no bounds and is clearly bereft of self-reverence. Oh. Plus a change, you may say. In this case, it was a story in Reuters. Finance ministers say stock exchange mergers could deepen EU capital market. Frankly, the temerity of it all. Exchanges are being blamed for not being competitive in a free market. The crass imbecility of these finance ministers is not overly surprising, I would imagine, given the dismal state of politics the world over. But it is a pathetic example of why the European Union has no idea that it is the problem driving European decline through the ongoing Brussels-driven centralised sclerosis of enterprise in favour of corporate socialism. The US, meanwhile, has more large stock markets than the European Union and dwarfs the EU on every level. That's not because DB1, Euronext et al. are at fault, but because top-down corporate socialism with a precautionary principle just doesn't work. Why not stimulate markets by trimming the 5,000 European Union banks down to a more manageable number, for instance? The European Union has 5,000 banks. The US has 4,300, while European Union GDP is barely 72% of the US. What about helping the capital markets go more 80-20 in funding provision like the US, as opposed to the 80% being done by the EU banking blob? Evidently, the Brussels blob come EU27 governments collectively have no idea how to deliver prosperity to stressed citizens. Thus blamestorming is the order of the day because nobody knows what to do to help EU27 recover from their last decade and a half. And remember, of course, those statistics. 2008-2023, US GDP plus 82%, European Union 27 plus 6%. 
Raphael Plata made a fabulous point the other week on IPOVID. The European Union is sitting on 4.3 trillion euros in bank deposits. Why don't the Finmins have a proper plan to get that invested instead of lying quasi fallow in the 5,000 banks? Also at the European Union, the Commission finally blinked, but nobody wanted to admit it as a milk toast CCP regime was introduced to ooze a little more euro clearing towards the continent, but without hugely upsetting the free market preferences of users who wish to clear in London in particular. Carol Lanou, CEO of the Centre for European Policy Studies, a deep thinker who supports the EU but is unafraid to criticise the blob, deserves huge accolades for being willing to speak out here, as he has long done. And I quote, LCH is the tip of the iceberg. You can only have a clearing business if you have the rest of the iceberg. Describing the European Union's moves as engineered by the profoundly underwhelming Commissioner McGuinness as face-staving for their stupidity. I'm delighted to be outpithed by the excellent Carol Lanou. Over in Hong Kong, quite remarkable, Morgan Stanley Stephen Roach, or at least formerly of Morgan Stanley Stephen Roach, has made remarks that Hong Kong is over. Quite all the more surprising as he is truly an august Asian commentator, but I can't help but side with Laura Cha in this case. Roach is, in her words, utterly wrong. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In results, it was a frenziedly busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, we're only going to have time for a couple of edited highlights. First up, CME. The CME made a leap in profits this quarter, joining DB1, NASDAQ, amongst the top seven markets, providing excellent results. Of course, another one being Intercontinental Exchange, the leaders of the pack in Young's Pyramid at the moment. Alas, if only things were as good as that down under. ASX reported their 2024 half-year results and it caused us to ponder in Exchange Invest. Did anything go right for ASX Friday? Presumably somebody clicked the end call button. By that stage, it was already far too late. The aftermath of another unmitigated disaster when reality rudely intruded on the ASX management's somewhat quixotic worldview of their own abilities and achievements yielded a share price in freefall. A 4% loss was absorbed by all the time. The audio was clear, but feet were evidently in mouths. It's not the first time either, but once again, tragically, the Australian market monopolist embarrasses the parish with a display of what might be deemed outright amateurism, undeserving of position retention amongst the C-suite. In new markets this week, BGC announced that their results, which are also very firm by the way, they're going to be launching FMX Futures Exchange in the summer of 2024. I'm really not sure why Hard Lutnick reckons this competitor succeeds where his previous initiatives have so clearly failed to defeat the CME interest rate monopoly. But he remains optimistic. Chittagong Commodity Exchange, they're awaiting their maiden registration and regulation, but they hope to go live by December. 
In deals this week, a couple of refundings. The TMX, they announced and closed a $1.1 billion private placement debenture offering. And ASX, they went to the note market for the first time. A debut corporate bond issue by ASX with $275 million Australian dollars in medium-term notes being up for offer. If you want to understand just what's going on in the world of financial technology, exchanges, blockchain, cryptocurrency and the fintech world, then why don't you pick up a copy of my most recent book, Victory or Death, published by DV Books and available via Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesdays at 5 o'clock London time, midday New York time, the IPO video live show. This week we had a spectacular discussion unlocking Namibian growth with our special guest, the boss of the Namibian Stock Exchange, Chan Bazwin. And next week we're looking forward to IPO vid 135, the holistic exchange and operational resilience with our guest, Hamish Adurian. Our finance book of the week, which, by the way, you can get previewed if you go to exchangeinvest.com and sign up for our free EI Weekend. That's our weekend macro magazine read. The book of the week this week is Fiasco, the inside story of a Wall Street trader by Frank Partnoy. A fascinating, if somewhat remarkable read about some of the incredible practices of Wall Street within the course of the last generation or so. Don't forget, our next book of the week will be unveiled Saturday in the EI Weekend edition. And equally, do not forget, if you want all the news on the Bourse business sent daily to your inbox, subscribe to Exchange Invest via exchangeinvest.com. It's only $375 per annum to join the Exchange of Information. In technology news, well, it was Error Corner this week. The new TCS system fell over again at MCX, while MOEX had a couple of hours downtime after a server error, and Euronex miscalculated a few indices for a few hours. In career paths, the biggest news of the week was the announcement of the replacements for two departing board members of Hong Kong exchanges. Benjamin Hung is retiring and, most significantly, Chairman Laura Cha is going to be standing down at the 2024 AGM in a couple of months' time. Congratulations to new appointments. They are going to be Chan Kin Poor and Mr. Yan King Shun as members of the Hong Kong Exchange Board. No news yet on who is going to be getting the hot seat of chairman at the same time, of course, as the CEO position is changing on March the 1st. And that leaves us to think back 20 years, ladies and gentlemen. It's remarkable to consider that 20 years ago, on May the 1st, 2004, the European Union was still quite the go-go thing. It appeared to have growing power and purposes, particularly so with its largest ever accession day, as 10 nations simultaneously joined the European Union on May the 1st, 2004. Cyprus, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Malta, Poland, Slovakia and Slovenia were the new members with a heavy bias towards the Central and Eastern European region of then, very, very recently, post-communist nations. Of course, it's worth also reflecting that in a somewhat ironic move, most EU nations excluded many of the Eastern European accession nations from free movement of labour at that time, other than the UK, then in the grip of Tony Blair's somewhat demonic regime. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, thank you for listening to this Exchange Invest weekly podcast, 233. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com, the water cooler of the Bourse business. Or if you have a new exchange you'd like built, get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young, and I wish you a great week in life and markets. 
This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.